0: Thank you for listening to the Murray Hills Church podcast. We're in a series right now called Anchored Spirituality. It's an emotional health series, and we're going to be looking at six different principles to help us improve our emotional and spiritual health. I hope you find this helpful, and I hope we learn something together. All right, amen. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. I have no idea how you knew, Kelsey, but that's our text today—Philippians <laughs> chapter two, uh, verses three through eleven. If you want to want to find that in your Bible, and just hold your place there, we're going to get there uh, in just a little bit. I, two weeks ago at uh, Rotary, I got to hear Mike Short speak, and he's the director of safety and security at uh, Murray Regional, and he was talking about the rise of. Uh, basically the rise of violence or confrontations or incidents within the healthcare industry, and specifically about Murray Regional. And he, he showed a bunch of stats of kind of what was happening. And it's it was been on the rise since 2017. But as you can guess, in uh, 2020, it exploded. And one of the stats that he showed in particular just really jumped out at me. And it was, they do their fiscal year like June to July. So it was 2019 to 2020. So that's, you know, halfway through 2020. Uh, they had 46 calls for officers at the hospital. And that meant that there was either something that an officer needed to de-escalate the situation or needed to escort somebody out of the hospital. So they had 46 calls, 2019 to 2020. 2020 to 2021, 1,976 calls for an officer. And this is their internal security. So this is not like calling the Columbia Police Department. This is internal security. 1,000, that's 42 times The number of confrontations. 2021 to 2022, so we're only halfway, we're about, what, seven months or so into this fiscal year, they've had 1,517 calls for officer interventions. So they're going to break last year's record, which blew the previous record completely out of the water. And as he was talking about this, and he had, you know, a whole slideshow with all of these, kind of what was going on, I kept thinking about how that's happening at the hospital, that's happening on airplanes right now, like you see in the rise of what's happening in the airline industry, that's happening in schools, uh, you're seeing it not just with teachers dealing with that, but with student fights and all that kind of stuff, that's happening uh, with road rage incidents, It's like everywhere, it was just another reminder. And I, I actually was messaging him back and forth after it was over going, how much of this is related to COVID and how much is related to politics and how much is related to vaccines? I like, and it's like, it's all of it. It's just another reminder that the last two years, emotions have been kind of raging out of control. Like everybody's on edge, everybody's ramped up. I was messaging a counselor right before this service and I was trying to find some appointments, and they're like, We, we don't have anything. Like, you just wouldn't. It's amazing how many people, everybody's full, everybody's just not enough. We can't meet the demand right now. And it's just a reminder that, you know, people are stressed, people are anxious. Uh, People are fearful, people are worried, people are frustrated, and a lot of times that expresses itself in an unhealthy way. So the question is, how do you stay anchored when that's going on? How do you stay anchored when the emotions are raging out of control? And that's what this series is about. So if we're, we're in a series, it's an emotional health series is what we call it. But it's really an emotional health and spiritual health series. It's really both, if you think about it. Because we can't separate those things. We've tried to separate those things and we haven't been very successful. We're like, No, 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 let's talk about the spiritual stuff at church and we'll talk about the emotional stuff with our counselors. Like, no, those things all go together. Our spiritual health is affected by our emotional health. Our emotional health is affected by... Our spiritual health so we're in a series trying to talk about uh, how do we stay anchored or how do we stay grounded when it feels like life is out of control when it feels like the storm is raging and we just don't know what to do how do we stay anchored to something it was um, Amy shared this last week this well I don't have that quote up there but that, the one about you know anxiety is contagious you remember that Harry Lerner quote anxiety is contagious and uh, and I was thinking so is fear and so is anger and so is frustration and so is worry, and so is stress. It's just like, how do, we, how do we dial it back? How do we remain calm, all those things? So we're, what we're talking about here is, um, it's an acronym, anchor is an acronym for the things that we need to do to help us stay grounded or to help us stay connected. So we've talked about authentic faith, which is about, you know, you don't, you don't have to pretend anymore. Uh, you can be yourself, you're not being graded. We've talked about uh, nurtured rest, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. we've got to find ways to slow down we've got to find ways to reset and to refocus ourselves uh last week was about courageous candor we've got to find ways to have difficult conversations nobody likes confrontation nobody likes having a difficult conversation but what happens when we keep it bottled up is the resentment grows and the contempt grows and eventually it's going to come out so we've got to find ways to have those conversations with grace and compassion and empathy for one another and i thought amy did a fantastic job Um, last Sunday. She said one thing that's been just rolling around in my head ever since about how um, people won't always remember the words we said, but they will always remember how we made them feel. And I'm like, that's, I'm trying to remember that in coaching. (laughs) I'm trying to remember that in pastoring. I'm trying to remember that in being a husband and being a father, you know. Won't always remember what I say, but they will remember how I made them feel. So I've got to remain calm and centered. So, Today, we're talking about probably one of the most important ones, so we're on the H, and we're talking about humility and humble attitude, and I say it's one of the most important ones simply because how many careers have you seen unravel, or how many relationships have you seen unravel because the ego got out of control? I mean, it just, it happens with such frequency, it doesn't even surprise us anymore, and there's a biblical reason for that, right? Everybody's familiar with Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So if, if we're gonna stay grounded and we're gonna stay anchored, then we have to figure out how to stay humble. And that's what we're gonna talk about today in Philippians chapter two and verse three. First, I wanna do a little experiment though. I, I want you to, to just imagine with me, I want you to think of, and this is dangerous, so don't, there, there should be no pointing, right now there should be no uh you don't look to your right or left don't say anything out loud okay I want you to think of the most egotistical person you know eyes ahead eyes straight ahead no no don't don't give any bodily reactions here you know think of the most egotistical person you know like when when we talk about ego arrogance pride narcissism entitlement you know whatever just think monster ego think of a name this is dangerous, but think of a name. And, and you may be thinking of probably the first thing we do is we think of people that we know of but we don't really know. So the first thing you do is probably think of a politician or a celebrity or a, you know, a CEO or a um, you know, celebrity pastor or whatever. Uh, you know, I'd rather you think of somebody you know. So I'd rather you think of somebody that you know pretty well. Like you, don't, you don't just guess that they have an ego. You know they got an ego because you spend a lot of time with them. Maybe you live with them. You know, like you, like I just, I want you to just think of somebody you know, like I I know that this is a struggle for them is ego. Now, once you got that name in in mind, I've got some guesses about who it is. Five traits that you're probably gonna see. Number one is that the person you're thinking of probably has some characteristics of narcissism. And then when I'm saying they're like narcissistic personality disorder. I think that's like one to 2% of the population. But I'm saying some characteristics of it. Narcissism is just a self-inflated view of self. So they think they're smarter than everybody in the room. They think they're better than everybody in the room. They think they're more important than everybody in the room. So maybe just some some characteristics are in there. Number two, person you're thinking of uh, has a, a sense of entitlement. Like they should get their way. We should do what they want to do when they want to do it, um, they should always get their way because they tend to be a little bit more self-centered. All right? Number three, the person you're thinking of has a strong need for affirmation. They love the likes, they love the follows, they love the agreement. Matter of fact, they're probably very rarely wrong about anything. And if they are wrong about something, whoever is disagreeing with them must be you know, stupid and doesn't know what they're talking about. Number four, There's a lack of empathy. The person you're thinking of struggles with with empathy with other people. So they struggle to put themselves in other people's shoes or to consider where they're coming from or to consider that they might be wrong and the other person may be right. And number five, the person you're thinking of is not you. Now, I didn't give you any rules with this exercise. I didn't say you can't think of yourself. I told you to think of somebody that you know very, very well, somebody that you live with. So you could have thought of yourself if you wanted to. My guess is not a single person in this room thought of ourselves. When I said monster ego and arrogance, we thought of somebody else. And as I went through that list, you were going, yeah, that's them. Mm -hmm. Narcissistic, yep. Entitled, yep. Need for affirmation, yep. Lack of empathy, yep. And guess what? Somebody else in this room was thinking of you. And thinking the same thing. Like that's scary to think about, isn't it? But that's the way ego works. This is the danger with ego. It is very easy to spot in other people. It is very difficult to recognize in ourselves. Like e- ego is one of those that we can easily oh yeah, he's egotistical, she's egotistical, he's got big. I mean, we easily see that in other people. It's very, very difficult to spot it in ourselves. And that's the danger of ego because all of those things I put on there, that, that isn't like just something that other people struggle with. That's something that all of us struggle with. That's something that I struggle with. All, I mean like that's something that everybody struggles with. And so when we, the problem is we, we don't see it in ourselves. So ego looks like narcissism in you and self-confidence in me. You know, it looks like um, arrogance in you but it's just self-assuredness in me. You know, I'm just I'm sure of myself. You know, and that's, that's the danger. That's what makes this so, so very difficult uh, to deal with. And that's why it's so hard to stay anchored when it comes to humility. We're all like these two guys right here. Okay, and if you, if, you, if you have not seen Ted Lasso, then just the next 30 seconds to a minute's not going to make any sense to you. Go watch it because it'll preach. The whole series will preach. But if you have seen it, then, then you'll appreciate this. Uh, Jamie Tart's on the left and Nate is on the right. Uh, both huge egos. Neither one of them know that they have it. So Jamie Tart in the very first season very first episode he's like the quintessential narcissist i mean he's he's a character of ego i mean they like they they go out of their way to give him the most ego he could possibly have but he doesn't think he has any ego nobody ever thinks they have any ego so he he doesn't think he has any but everybody else around him can see it he can't see it everybody else around him can nate doesn't appear to have any ego i mean he's like so self-effacing and shy and Puts himself down and is surprised if somebody remembers his name. I mean, on the surface, it looks like he doesn't have any ego whatsoever. Those are two totally different characters. But if you follow their character arc, and I won't ruin the whole thing for you, but if you follow their character arc, one of them becomes more humble and sincere, and one of them's ego gets completely out of control. Because here's the thing with ego. I said we all have it. It's more obvious in some of us, and it's more hidden in some of us. Some of us are better to keep it hidden, and, and we could even kind of, beneath a guise of meekness or a guise of, of shyness or kind of being self-effacing, we could even hide that ego. But every single one of us have it. So the question is, how do we deal with it? How do we stay grounded? Even when it's hidden, it's still there. Here's what I want to teach us today uh, about humility. And this is, this is from Philippians chapter 2, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you the point, the two points actually today i will tell you the two points and then um, we'll read the passage. But here's, here's the two things I want us to learn. Number one is that the opposite of humility is not pride, it's selfishness. The opposite of humility is not pride, it's selfishness, okay? Number two, that the key to humility is not meekness, it's self-awareness. The key to humility is not meekness. If it was based on meekness, um, Nate would have Nate been, a humble guy, but he was not self-aware enough to realize that his ego was getting out of control. Now, let's go to Philippians, and I'll show you uh, where this stuff is taught. I'm using the New Living Translation, so I'm not, I've got got the NIV up here with me, and I got the the New Living Translation on the board, so I'm gonna use what's on the board, and hopefully it doesn't crash. If it does crash, we'll switch to the NIV. But uh, this is what it says, Philippians chapter two. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi And he begins in the first couple of verses just giving them some instructions, some some commands, if you will. And then he gives them an example of what he's talking about. So the commands are, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave, himself, uh, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Um, we love that verse right we 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 love that verse and we specifically we don't really love verses three four and five we don't really talk about those that much but we love verses well verse three and four we love verses five through eleven because that's where it talks about you know Christ was humble and we love the fact that Christ was humble like, that's a we love seeing that, like, even though he had equality with God, he did not consider it something to be grasped, but instead he took, you know, the very nature of a servant, and he became obedient, even obedient to the point of death, and therefore, you know, God will exalt him in the end, and every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. We love the fact that Christ is, is humble. Um, but we don't want our elected leaders to be humble. We, we want our Savior to be humble. We don't want the coach of our travel ball team to be humble. We, we just want our Savior to be humble. We we don't even want our pastor to be that humble. I mean, that's, like, it's it's crazy to me following all these stories, and there's so many documentaries coming out right now, it's almost kind of mind-blowing. But I, we don't want our pastors to be humble. We want to follow somebody that's, you know, confident and bold and, you know, feels like they know what they're doing and all that. So but, but we want our Savior to be humble. We don't want our CEOs to be humble, but we want our Savior to be humble. And it's like we have this... It's almost a love-hate relationship with Philippians too. It's like we love what it says about Christ and we love that image of Christ being humble and that is so appealing to us and so nice, but we don't love in verse 3 where he tells us to be humble in the same way Christ was. The thing I'm trying to point out is that the reason Paul includes Jesus in here is to give us example of what he's talking about. It's tied to the command. The command, don't be selfish, be humble. That's the command. And then he says, let me give you an example of who to be like. And he says, be like Jesus. So, so, jump back, and I want you to look at just the command. Okay, verses three. This is the first half of verse three, uh, and I want you to notice how many times humility is characterized as uh, selfishness. So, right here, look at this one. Don't be selfish. That's why I like the New Living Translation here. I think the NIV says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit." It was the same concept, but I like the, the New Living Translation. Just cuts right to the point. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others. That's why I say that that, uh, the opposite of humility is not pride, it's selfishness. Because pride is a feeling of accomplishment or pleasure. but Well, it's a feeling of pleasure because of my accomplishments or somebody else's. So pride could actually be good or bad. I mean, you've heard pride used in good context and bad context. I could say, you know, I was you know, I was proud that I held my tongue right there. You know, that was, I, I'm proud of myself because I don't normally do that and I was able to do that. Uh, or, or more likely when the pride is in a positive sense, is like, well, I'm proud of my daughter. You know, she, she worked hard and, and she, she's gonna graduate and I'm proud. She studied hard for that test and she made an A on it. I'm really proud of her for that. You know, I'm proud of, proud of what she's done there. Um, so there's a good context of pride. Pride becomes dangerous when it becomes hubris. And that, that's less about being proud of your accomplishments and more about, the need to be in control, like an inflated sense of self-importance. So, in other words, pride becomes dangerous when it becomes self-centered. Like when it, when it becomes uh, about me, because Paul is saying here, don't be selfish, be humble. And then he defines humility in terms of not being selfish. Think of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests. Take an interest in others also. The NIV says Uh, value others more than you value yourself if we want to be more humble then we stop looking to ourselves and we start looking out to our our brothers and sisters and we start valuing them more than us and value their interest more than our interest that's where humility comes from here's what jd walt says christian author says here's what i'm slowly learning humility is not about self at all like, I, humility is one of these weird virtues that the more I think about it, the more I start going, you know, I'm a pretty humble guy. I'm not like those other pastors that are on those documentaries. I'm humble. Those guys are prideful, but I am humble. Pretty good at this. You see what happens. As long as I'm thinking about myself, pride's always right there under the surface. As long, I mean, that humility is so hard to grasp because I start being proud about being humble he says the more I think about it though that humility is not about self at all humility is about others humility is not putting yourself down you know that's one of the ways that we try to think I'm humble if I just put myself down if I'm self-effacing you know if I just have them people but humility is not about putting yourself down that's false humility humility is about lifting others up if I'm about me I'm selfish if I'm about you I'm humble I really do think it's that simple so, so being humble is not this head down, moping around, talking quietly, being more submissive. Um, it may sometimes look like that. But sometimes, if you're looking out for the interest of others, you may be loud on their behalf. Sometimes, if you're looking out for the interest of others, you may defend their rights. You, know, that, that's, that's, you could still do that in humility. It's a, humility is a mindset that places the needs of others above our own needs. And I realize in saying that, that we should probably stop and have a little side about codependency. I'm not going to do that today. You'll have to talk to your counselor about it. Uh, because you can take it too far. I mean, it can get to where you, 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 you take this off the rails. But I don't think that's most of our problems. Most of our problems is our ego rages out of control. And we only think about ourselves and our interests and our opinions and our rights and our, you know, what we want. And we don't really think about other people. And if we're going to follow the example of Christ, then we have to think about other people. And that's where he goes next, verse five. What he says is, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Why was Jesus humble? Well, Jesus put others first, right? I mean, who, who, goodness, look at what he did. I mean, Jesus put others first, and he did. But I think that the next verse, and I don't think I have this one on the screen, in verse six, where he says, "You know, even though he was God, even though he, had a, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And I looked at that this week and was thinking there was a, an incredible amount of self-awareness in Jesus that even though he was God, he didn't feel like he had to take that in order to prove something. Like He didn't, he didn't, have, to, he didn't have to take that in order to be powerful, and he didn't have to take that in order to be right. That Jesus actually purposely humbled himself, became a human being, God becoming a human being, um, and it was, there was a self-awareness in there. Because like I said, we think of humility in terms of meekness, shyness, you know, being mild and lowly, and it doesn't always look like that. I think humility is gained through awareness. That if I'm gonna be more humble, then yes, I'm focused on other folks, but I also have to have a little bit of internal focus to say, you know what? I may not be the smartest person in the room. I may not be the person that knows the most about this. I'm, my opinion may not be the right opinion. My way may not be the right way. So it, it, I, I gain humility by being self-aware of my weaknesses. I can be aware of my strengths, too. You know, hey, I do have some experience in this area. I do have some strength in this area. But I, but I gain it by being self-aware enough to realize that I'm not the most important person in the room. That, there, that what somebody else is saying could have a lot of value and worth. And maybe I need to listen to that. I'm not, it's, No, it's not all about me. And that's why I say, you know, like, you know, the, the key to humility is not meekness, but self-awareness. That when we are, more, the more self-aware we are, the more our humility grows. If we're, if we're self-aware enough to realize that we're not perfect. Now, we all say that, you know, everybody always says, you know, well, I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect. But do we really believe it? <laughs> do we really realize that, you know, we're not perfect, we're, that we're not experts in everything. So I think when, when we're more self-aware, humility grows. But I think the opposite is well is true as well. The less self-aware we are, the more our ego grows. And ego is a huge, huge blind spot for us. So when we're not self-aware enough to realize that it's growing out of control, um, we need somebody in our lives to help us stay grounded. And that's the one little bit of practical advice I'll give you today. Uh, The the best way to combat ego and the best way to to have more humility is to have somebody in your life that says, hey, (laughs) you need to check that ego. And that's, that's a really difficult, that's a hard person to have in your life because no, like this goes into Amy's difficult conversations, and it goes into next week's open to feedback. So we're, we're squeezing the ego right in the middle of there for good reason. So you got to have somebody in your life that's willing to say, check the ego. You, you might dial, dial it down a bit. And that's a difficult conversation. And you got to have somebody on the other side of that's willing to say, okay. <laughs> And that's the hardest thing to say is okay. To not get defensive and not, you know, that kind of thing. Got to have somebody in there to, to check it, to keep it in check. Uh, I want to tell you a story real quick, and we're going, we're going to be done here in just a minute. But one of, one of those people for me was Bobby Page. And some of you guys may or may not know Bobby Page. He, he works for my dad. He's worked for my dad for 35, 40 years. But before that, he was my football coach. So he was my football coach in high school. And then after, after I graduated, he got hired... Uh, by dad and Bobby's one of those guys. Like you gotta, and, and coaches are good at it. Uh, wives are really good at it. But I mean, you gotta have somebody in your life that goes check the ego, man. It's getting out of control. My brother-in-law's not bad at it. Um, I got a lot of people in my life. That should. That's kind of concerning. Anyway, um, Bobby was. I'll tell you, this happened years ago. My family's in the convenience store business, and uh, before I started preaching, I was in the convenience store business. So I was. I was working in my dad's business and i was the general manager of retail i was running the stores and they had this big conference every year uh called NACS. it's the national association of convenience stores and they had it in vegas and it's this really big deal it's like thousands and thousands of people come to this thing and and all the big boys come to it like all the you know the big chains and all that kind of stuff and they had a black tie dinner i don't know when this was 17 18 years ago they had a black tie dinner for all the executives and um, it was like, you know, you get the tux on, you're in one of these Vegas hotels, it's super fancy. And it's, you know, the red carpets rolled out and white linen tablecloths and everything, and the waiter's coming around and, you know, they got free food, free drink and all. I mean, it's, it, Jay Leno was speaking, he was big then. Uh, you know, like it was this, it was like, it's just just super fancy thing. And we're sitting there and I'm kind of, you know, you're kind of feeling good. Like, I'm, this is kind of a big deal. You know, me to get to be. Oh, there's the CEO of Sheets. Oh, there's Wawa. That guy. You know, I mean, like it's. You're kind of watching these big guys go around shaking hands, and you're gonna go meet people, and you're like, I'm kind of a big deal. These 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 folks are kind of a big deal. And midway through that, and I'm. I'm Bobby didn't know what I'm thinking. I'm just kind of sitting, you know, sitting back enjoying it. And midway through that, Bobby leans over to me and he says, "And just think, all these people make a living by selling Snicker bars and sausage biscuits." <laughs> and it just. Phew, we're just having I mean, de- deflated everything about it. Bobby just had a way of kind of bringing it back to the to the reality. Like these people think they're important. They sell sausage biscuits for a living, and, and it's like you got to have somebody in your life that does that. just grant like you're not that big a deal. You're just not that big a deal. I don't care what you do. I don't care how famous you are. I don't care how many followers you have on Instagram or how many people like a post when you post it on Facebook. You just ain't that big a deal. So the best thing you can do is stay humble and stay grounded. Actually, the Latin word for humility actually means groundedness. The best thing you can do is stay humble and stay grounded. And you do that by being self-aware enough to realize that I'm not that big a deal and Christ-like enough to realize that I need to focus on others more than I focus on myself. I need to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Let me pray for us. Father, that's um, goodness, it's one of the most challenging verses in the New Testament. We we love it and we love it, but we love taking that verse and focusing on your son. But when we take that verse and we turn it around and focus on our lives, it's a challenging, challenging thing for us because we struggle with selfishness and ego and all those things. Uh, Father, help us to not be selfish. Help us to put others first. Help us to value others first. Uh, even those we disagree with politically, even those we disagree with doctrinally, even those we disagree with socially. I mean, just that we would, we would try to put others first and try to have empathy and try to understand where they're coming from and why they hold the beliefs that they hold. Help us to do that. Uh, in, a, in a world that rewards ego and rewards narcissism, help us to be different. Help us to be countercultural. Help us to... Um, Help us to take the opposite approach, knowing that your son promised us that if we humble ourselves, we will be exalted, but if we exalt ourselves, we will be humbled. Help us to be on the, the other end of that. Help us to be on the end of, of, of being exalted by you one day, and uh, that's what we pray for. Help us to, to battle this, this battle of ego. Help us to battle that. And... Um, and be more humble, and be more Christ-like in our attitudes and in our approach. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things, amen.